delve into the visceral world of hip-hop with the Gangsta Chronicles, hosted by MC8 and Big Steel. It's every Thursday, a podcast that aims to unravel the intricate tapestry of one of music's most influential and misunderstood subgenres, Gangsta Rap. Let's go. Gangsta Chronicles unpacks the evolution of this uniquely American art form, offering listeners a comprehensive understanding of the significance this genre holds. Listen to the Gangsta Chronicles on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy, and I'm your host, Elia Connie. Jay is the woman in this dynamic who is currently co-parenting two young boys with her former partner, David. David, he is a leader. He just don't want to leave me. Well, how do you lead a woman? How do you lead in a relationship? Like, what's the blueprint? David, you just asked the most important question. Listen to Family Therapy on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying... A, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, love at, at First, first listen. listen. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. With new segments, correspondence, and a new sound. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Dura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Mothers in the U.S. are often misrepresented or completely left out in the stories we tell. Ranging from feelings of belittlement for staying home with children because the narrative says it's unproductive, to hiding the fact they have kids so they can be taken seriously rather than deemed distracted to not being credited for the many accomplishments of the loved ones they have supported day in and day out. Mothers in America are used to being seen as selfless beings and without needs for others to consider, both on an interpersonal level as well as in literature and media. Because our retelling of events most often does not feature, highlight, or even acknowledge the many acts of mothering extended. In effect, there is an extensive lack of understanding surrounding the critical roles mothers play in our society, further perpetuating their designation as unimportant, as unworthy of being seen, and further perpetuating a devastating lack of support. Quote, would the world be different today if we had been telling their stories all along? Unquote. This is the question posed by today's guest as she's explored in her recent book release, The Three Mothers, How the Mothers of Martin Luther King Jr., Malcolm X, and James Baldwin Shaped a Nation. Operating with the thesis that mothers undeniably impact and shape history, a writer and sociologist using an intersectional lens to advocate for women of color and educate others. Examining the past and present circumstances and the relative effects of this pervasive erasure in depth, Anna Malika Tubbs believes that storytelling plays a necessary role in fixing our current trajectory, and that through the intentional centering of mothers, we can not only make life better for them, we can actually make life better for everyone. Citing the remarkable lives of Alberta King, Louise Little, and Bernice Baldwin, Tubbs emphasizes the need to shift the perspective on motherhood at a cultural level in efforts to better reflect the presence, power, and influence of our mothers as our first leaders, caretakers, and teachers. Inspired to bring people together through this celebration of difference. Here with us to discuss her book, The Three Mothers, How the Mothers of Martin Luther King Jr., Malcolm X, and James Baldwin Shaped a Nation, as well as to discuss the integral role of mothers in our society and the significance of their being featured in our various narratives, 
We have New York Times bestselling author, advocate, and educator, Ms. Anna Malika Tubbs. I am Maggie B. Nowen, and this is the Black Information Network Daily Podcast with your host, Ramses Jaw. All right. Anna Malika Tubbs, welcome to the show. How are you doing today? Good. Thank you for having me. It's been a busy morning getting my kiddos off to school, but otherwise good. <laughs> okay, I love that. I love that. So um, around here, we uh, we have a bit of a tradition is turning out to be. So we like to you know let people tell their stories. So share a bit with our audience about yourself, uh, a bit about your upbringing and sort of what led you to your career path. Yeah, absolutely. I was born in Albuquerque, New Mexico, um, mm-hmm. but I often say I know nothing about Albuquerque because my parents wanted us to travel the world and see as much of it as possible. So I left the U.S. when I was two years old um, and we went to Dubai and then Estonia and Sweden and Mexico and Azerbaijan. So we lived this very nomadic life. Um, and my mom was my biggest influence. She was a lawyer who advocated for women's rights um, in other countries as well as in the U.S. And she often spoke about the power of motherhood and how the way mothers were being treated was an indicator for how well different societies could do. So if mothers were well respected and they were given the resources they deserved, that that country would do well and vice versa. If they weren't being given the supports they deserved, that country would not prosper. This was kind of her theory. (laughs) Um, And it was a well-informed one in in everything that she studied and everything she worked on. And so I grew up with this in mind. Um, So fast forward to me going to undergrad and kind of seeking a degree that spoke to my experience of seeing so many different ways of living around the world, different beliefs, different cultures. Um, I wanted to continue to celebrate that. And so I uh, majored in anthropology. Um, And then to focus on this kind of feminist empowerment and women's empowerment, I wanted to continue that with my master's in gender studies. So I did that. And then I did my PhD in sociology. And this was all with this mission of helping more people be as comfortable as I was with difference and not feeling afraid of that, but instead really celebrating the strength of our diversity. Um, And so I wanted to be more of a public intellectual. I wanted to kind of take everything I learned and make it accessible for larger audiences. And I always kind of hated the exclusivity of academia Mm -hmm. as much as I loved studying and I loved um, my research and doing the work for my degrees. I hated that so few people were given the same opportunity. And so I wanted to make sure everything that I produced was accessible. And so That led into um, the three mothers in a lot of different ways, one with the influence, of course, of my own mom, but also with the influence of other Black female writers who I felt were doing what I wanted to do, Um, specifically Isabel Wilkerson, of course, and Margot Lee Shetterly, um, who wrote Hidden Figures. And I loved the way in which they were both telling the world that you can't understand our history, nor our present, nor our future, without fully understanding Black history and putting us in the center of these stories. And so I said, I'm going to be somebody who does something similar, and I want to celebrate women throughout history who should have been known all along. And I really want to talk about something my mom has always talked to me about, the power of motherhood. Okay. Okay. I love that. So how about this? Beyond just the historical value, um, 
like you mentioned hidden figures which actually coincidentally is a movie that i was watching not two three days ago oh nice um beyond just the the historical value uh you know in a movie like that there was a lot of life lessons human human lessons um a lot of uh empathy building you know that that the viewer kind of undergoes and so forth talk us through sort of what readers of this book um can expect what what can readers look forward to from your book beyond just the historical yeah the book is really filled of course with a history lesson i'm Mm -hmm. talking about three black women who lived through the 1900s um Mm -hmm. so there's kind of a century of american history through their eyes and their Mm -hmm. perspective But of course, the similarities to what they're experiencing through the 1900s, and then what I'm experiencing as someone who's becoming a mom while I'm writing this book, I was expecting my firstborn, um, how applicable it is to what we're dealing with to this day, Um, whether that's the Black maternal health crisis, or all the fears that Black mothers have as our children are walking through the world, um, especially in a country that doesn't see them with the worth that they deserve and with doesn't treat them with the dignity and the respect that they deserve and how we're continuing to fight for that um, for them for them and for ourselves. So there's a lot of applications, of course, to current conversations, um, of course, any kind of attack against critical race theory. This book is really saying we need to fight for our right to tell our stories and Um, to make sure we're not erased. Um, But then there's also applications to motherhood, really, and parenthood more generally, just thinking of all the different approaches these three mothers had to make sure their children not only fought for their lives, but also had moments of joy and love. Um, And that's really the ultimate um, reward for our fight, is to make sure that our moments of happiness are not robbed from us. And when you see it from the perspective of these mothers and the women who loved them so deeply and poured everything into them, we then better understand um, what these activists sacrificed for us. Sure, sure. You know, there's something interesting. You you mentioned the attack on critical race theory and, and how your book kind of helps uh, present a case for perhaps the necessity of critical race theory, right? Yeah. And then you, a black woman, using your voice to kind of advocate for this education. Yeah. Um, it's interesting that that is intersecting at a time um, where some of the headlines that we've reported on here at the Black Information Network uh, reflect um, the sentiments of perhaps the most conservative facets of this country, but also kind of a lot of folks in the middle as well, who've been, you know, kind of impressed by the uh, fear mongering uh, that that's really uh, done on the right. Uh, so much so that a recent headline about how black ed- ed- education on a, on a college level um, has no value, educational value, lacks educational merit or value or something like this uh, in the state of Florida, right? So, uh, you know, you using your your book to kind of advocate indirectly for that um, and directly, I'm sure, uh, is is sort of interesting. But I want you to do, do us a favor. Talk to our audience about how historically black mothers and black women have helped pave the progressive path forward for social justice and civil rights and so forth. Yeah. 
I often say that um, when we uh, as a black community, you know, this amazingly diverse and rich diaspora um, often speak about how we're being treated as if we're less than human. People say that's dramatic or you're really overdoing it. There's no way that's what's actually happening. Um, and the way in which you can talk about it so clearly is with black motherhood, because mm -hmm. Black mothers are the only ones in American history who, by law, have been deemed the givers of non-life, the givers of property. So it was written in, in law that our children were not our own, but were somebody else's property. And so as a result of that, we have constantly had to push, have had to push against this definition of ourselves as a commodity. And we've had to envision something beyond what's readily available to us because we cannot accept the circumstance as it is. We cannot accept people saying that we are less than human. And we especially cannot accept that people would think that the most precious beings, our children, are anything less than human and the most amazing human beings that there ever were. And so Black women have used this, um, and not only biological mothers, but our community mothers, our adoptive mothers, um, our foremothers, have used this to help other people see what we see, what's possible, that we all be treated the way that human beings deserve to be treated. And so when we look back on so many activists in our history, we've often forgotten to celebrate their motherhood. Um, Fannie Lou Hamer, Shadorner Truth, so many of our stories have to do with this emphasis on envisioning what our children deserve and making the world fit our vision, not waiting until they see it themselves, but pushing them towards it because we have to. We cannot accept things as they currently are. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. People don't always realize just how much their negative thoughts and experiences stick with them and weigh them down. You may find your brain constantly running through a highlight reel of bad moments. That comment your friend made last week that hurt your feelings. That frustrating thing your mom does. Or that silly thing you said in a meeting. Maybe it's time to get it all off your chest. Whether it's a tiny annoyance or something much bigger. Talking about it can give you some relief and lead you to a potential solution. That's where therapy comes in. It's a safe space to share whatever's weighing you down and learn to process it so your internal highlight reel can focus on the good stuff. And BetterHelp offers affordable online therapy on a schedule that works for you. Connect with a licensed therapist by text, phone, or video call. Start the process in minutes and switch therapist anytime. Let it out with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash B-I-N today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash B-I-N. I'm Elliot Connie, and this is Family Therapy. My best hopes, I guess, identify the life that I want and, and work towards it. I never seen a man take care of my mother the way she needed to be taken care of. I get the impression that you don't feel like you've done everything right as a father. Is that true? That's true, and I'm not offended by that. Thank you for, for going through those things, and thank you for overcoming them. Wow. Thank God for the limits. Every time I have like one of our sessions, our sessions be positive. It just keeps me going. I feel like my focus is redirected in a, in a different aspect of my life now. So, how'd we do today? We did good. 
The Black Effect presents Family Therapy. Listen now on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Delve into the visceral world of hip-hop with the Gangster Chronicles, a podcast that aims to unravel the intricate tapestry of one of music's most influential and misunderstood subgenres, gangster rap. Hosted by MC8 and Big Steels every Thursday, each episode provides an in-depth exploration into the formative artists, monumental albums, and socio-political factors that have shaped gangster rap from its emergence in the 80s to its enduring impact today. Gangster Chronicles unpacks the evolution of this uniquely American art form. We dive into the socio-cultural aspects that gangster rap boldly addressed, from police brutality to systemic racism, offering listeners a comprehensive understanding of the profound cultural significance this genre holds. Listen to the Gangster Chronicles on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Let's go. We are here today with New York Times bestselling author, advocate, and educator, Ms. Anna Malika Tubbs, discussing her book, The Three Mothers, how the mothers of Martin Luther King Jr., Malcolm X, and James Baldwin shaped a nation, as well as discussing the integral role of mothers in our society and the significance of their being featured in our various narratives. You know, you're right. There's something that's... um very special about black mothers. Um, and I've seen this recently. Uh, I came across a meme, um, a video meme. It was like a little bit of a cartoon about black. It was like a cartoon of a black mama. She had like the bonnet on and, you know, she, you know, saying those, those things that you hear in a black household, a mother speaking to her children, you know, like, don't leave my door open. We're not air conditioned in the neighborhood, that sort of stuff. And these, <laughs> these things were really funny. And then I saw how often it was shared and I read some of the comments because it was hilarious. Right. And I'm like, man, this is crazy. We all had the same childhood. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I recognize that other communities, other cultures there, you know, there's a lot of things that are shared in these other cultures that are funny. And, you know, um, that's that that's the way culture works. So we're not the only culture. Um, but there is something special there, especially when you contrast that to um, let's call it white culture or generally speaking, American culture. That's probably a better way to say that. And you can see that um, there are some things that. Uh, are born into that narrative, born into that household that when we get older, at least the, based on the comments I was reading, we tend to look back on and espouse our childhood in a, in a very special way. And so I, I just adore what you're doing here because you're, you're capturing, you know, something that I think that on some level we can all relate to, we can all find our mom or, you know, a version, a facet of our mom there, um, we can appreciate it. And then there's a certain part of it too, because in the same, in the same meme, you know, the cartoon started speaking in tongues at one point and then the cartoon, you know, you can see like the trauma response, the trigger response, and you, re you recognize as an adult looking on a mother uh, interacting with her children that, you know, a lot of this stuff is taught, some of the stuff we teach, you know, and then obviously you can see that she she learned it too, because some of the the sayings and the little anecdotes are much older than this cartoon, right? <laughs> so, um, you know, back to the book here, uh, 
let's let's talk a bit. So Alberta King, Louise Little, and uh, Bernice Baldwin. Uh, tell us more about these women and what you found to be most impressive about them, so much so that you've included them in your work. Yeah, there's a lot to say about them, of course. Um, mm-hmm. But when I started the book, I should say I wasn't setting out to um, prove that because let's say Alberta King did something, MLK went and did this, you know, like that wasn't my original hypothesis. I really okay. had the question of who were they? You know, there, there has to be an interesting story there. All of them were born within six years of each other in the early 1900s. And then all of their famous sons are born within five years of each other as well. So I thought this is really cool how their stories are aligning with each other. And of course, that their sons end up in this incredible movement together. Um, What is the story, you know, for all three of them? And this is my original research. So it was my doctoral dissertation. So before the book, if you tried to Google them, there was very little out there about them. Um, And so I really had to uncover these stories and interview historians and all the different places that they lived and interview living family members and find scholars who were experts in the sun and ask them to share their files with me so I could dig through letters and dig through anything to try to find the presence of these three women who had been erased. And so what this what really surprised me the most was that there are these obvious connections between what the mothers were passionate about um, long before their sons were born and then what the sons become famous for. So I'll just give a few examples of that. Um, Alberta Williams King was born in Atlanta, Georgia, um, again, in the early 1900s, like 1903. And uh, her parents are the leaders of Ebenezer Baptist Church. So they're the ones who established this as this beacon of hope um, for social justice, for faith. And they believe that religion and Christian faith are always inextricably intertwined with social justice. And so they teach their daughter this, that you must fight for the oppressed. Um, If you have certain privileges, like the privilege of an education, which their family does, um, all the men in her family go to Morehouse and all the women in her family go to Spelman. They're this well-off privileged Black family. Um, But they believe that this is something that you use for the movement. It's not something that says you're better than anyone else, but instead it's just another tool you can use for your larger community. So they participate and lead marches. They participate and lead boycotts. Um, So this is her kind of mindset. She grows up with this, these nonviolent ways of achieving change. And she is also well-educated. So she earns a bachelor's degree as well as a teaching certificate. And she wants to help the world kind of see these different strategies for change. Um, so I'll fast forward because there's obviously a lot I can say about that. And we're clearly, no, connections. <laughs> clearly seeing the connections to MLK Jr. Mm-hmm. Um, and now you see he didn't just kind of pop out of nowhere saying. You know, on his own. Yeah, he got it honestly. <laughs> about nonviolent, my, nonviolence. But instead, I'm going to continue um, the kind of maternal tradition in my family. Um, mm-hmm. This is how we fight for change. So I'll move to Louise Little, who was born in Grenada, um, and she was mostly influenced by her grandparents. They were what we now term liberated Africans, meaning at one point they were enslaved and then they were able to gain their freedom. And so they hold dearly to independence and Black self-sufficiency and pride. And so they teach her that you fight for that no matter what. You risk your life if you need to, 
to fight for your right to be free and to be independent and to really um, just push against white supremacy in any way possible. Um, You do not bow down to your oppressor. So no matter what it takes, you have to fight for your freedom. So she has this mindset um, as a little girl. And at around 17 years old, she travels to Montreal, Canada, and she's joining the movement um, known as the Marcus Garvey movement, the UNIA. um, And she believes fully Black independence, Black pride, Black nationalism. So again, (laughs) years, years later, when she has her son, he does not just decide on his own that he's going to stand for these things. Instead, he's influenced um, by both of his parents and largely his mother to believe in Black nationalism. Mm. So they are both, both of his parents, radical activists. This is how they meet each other at an organizing meeting for Marcus Garvey. Um, And because they are so bold, Marcus Garvey sends them strategically to cities in the Midwest to help incite this revolutionary spirit amongst Black community members. So these are Malcolm X's parents. That is Malcolm X's mother. Um, And again, there's a lot more to say about her story, but you'll have to read the book. (laughs) Now moving on to Virtus Baldwin. She was born in 1902 in this tiny town called Deal Island, Maryland. And her life was shaped early on by tragedy. She lost her mother when she was very little. Um, In my research, I was able to find her mother's death certificate. And it has the same month and year as Burtis's birth certificate. So her mother either passed away in childbirth or within a couple of weeks of that. And she, um, in this moment of of pain and darkness, she become someone who's always thinking about how you find healing and how you find love, no matter how painful something can be. So she really kind of specializes in this. She kind of tries to become the expert in how you find the light, no matter what. Mm -hmm. And she believes that she can help other people find light in their lives through her writing. So she gifts people and her loved ones letters filled with lessons on moving past the darkness Um, confronting it head on, but in order to find healing and to find love and to find light. Um, So her grandchildren, who I was able to interview, talked constantly about love. This was her word that she said all the time. And so later on, when her son becomes the famous writer, James Baldwin, and he says that he is a witness to the power of light, and he uses his writing to be a witness He's not just speaking. He's actually directly quoting his mother. Mm, mm. This concludes part one of our two-part conversation with advocate, educator, and New York Times bestselling author of The Three Mothers, Ms. Anna Malika Tubbs. Check back in with us tomorrow for part two with your host, Ramses Jaw, right here on the Black Information Network daily podcast. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. It's a simple truth. No matter who you are, mental health challenges can affect you, and how you manage them can make all the difference. That's why everyone should have access to mental health support that meets them where they are and helps them get through. BetterHelp provides online therapy on your schedule. It's flexible, simple to use, and more affordable than in-person therapy. Connect with a licensed therapist selected just for you. Learn more at BetterHelp.com. That's BetterHelp.com. 
I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your hosts of TMI. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. Listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying a, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, Love at first, first listen. listen. We're older, we're wiser, and we're podcasting through a new decade of our lives. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. And getting to the heart of our stories. We're going places we've never gone before, and we're bringing you along with us. With new segments, correspondence, and a brand new sound. Season 9 is kicking off with an intimate interview with Grammy Award-winning singer-songwriter Natalia Laforcade. What's giving you hope right now? Well, when I see what music does to people it gives me a lot of hope if you liked locatora before you're gonna love season nine subscribe to our show and you'll see why locatora is your prima's favorite podcast listen to locatora radio as part of the michael Tura podcast network available on the iHeartRadio app apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts